Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Madiba. If you happen to be in our area, you are most welcome to visit us. You'll surely feel at home. We appreciate your prayers for our ministry. We hope today's sermon will be edifying to you, your family, and your friends. Welcome. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, it is a privilege uh, to come and fellowship around the Word of God. And we appreciate everything. We appreciate the uh, prayers for one another. As always, I'll encourage you to pray for one another and just to be uh, the agents of encouragement uh, during this time. So much appreciated. So without waste of time, let us just bow our heads for a prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you once again for this opportunity that you have given to come around the weight and break the bread of life. Dear God, we appreciate that despite the challenges that Satan has presented unto us, but we are able to rise to the occasion. So that is why we want to just have a sense of gratitude, dear God, that although many things may be going haywire, but here we are. Our relationship with you remains intact. And our relationship with you supersedes everything. Our relationship with you supersedes the economy. Our relationship with you supersedes, dear God, whatever we may be going through. Hence, we say it is the most critical component of our life, our relationship with you. So once again, we pray for fellow believers, dear God, may you undertake for them. We pray for the reading of the weight as we commit everything to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you richly uh, as we turn to the book of Ezra. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. As we turn to the book of Ezra, I'm going to speak on eldership. That is my message uh, that I want to share with you, eldership. Now, in the book of Ezra, it reads in this manner, Ezra from verse 10, it reads in this manner, And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, 
they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals, to praise the Lord after the ordinance of King of David, King of Israel. And they sang together by cause in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good. For his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They praised the Lord and shouted with joy because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 12, But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men, these were elders, who were ancient men, that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. Now, from the text that I just read, I want to invite you to critical statements in this text, uh, particularly where it says, but many of the Levites, or many of the priests, that is verse 12, and many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men, these were the elders, that had seen the first house. They, are, they know the original pattern. They know the first house. When they, the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. Now, excuse me, <clears throat> these ancient men or these elders were familiar with the first foundation. And when they saw that the foundation of this house, of this tabernacle that was laid before them, was exactly as it was, uh, it was exactly as the first one, then they wept. This way, I want to uh, make a, uh, to invite you to see a link there. These Asian men, they did not just rejoice because they see the foundation of this house. They rejoiced because they could see that the foundation of this house, of this temple, was exactly as the first one. Now, these are Asian men. These are the elders. Now, already I'm giving away too much. Already you can see when these elders saw that the gospel that was now preached was exactly the gospel that was once preached, they rejoiced. And that is why... Already you see there is a absolutely a need that whenever in every environment you need the elders, the elders that know how it started, how it was, because it only takes the people that know how something has started to know whether there is a deviation or no deviation. That is why I just want to submit on how critical Elders are. 
critical. I cannot overemphasize this enough. Now, I know a lot of people, the moment you speak about elders, many young people and many youth, they give a pushback and say, look, because some of the mess that we are in is because of the elders. I, I just want to say we need not to paint all the elders with one brush. Not all elders are bad. Brother Brenham says when you see a bogus dollar, there must be a genuine dollar somewhere. When you see a bogus pastor, there must be a genuine pastor somewhere. So you can't just say all the pastors are bad. There's got to be, a, they, if you see a bad one, that should be an evidence that there is a genuine one somewhere. So the same thing with elders. If the if there is a wayward elder, there are genuine elders somewhere. So you cannot uh, substitute the importance of eldership because of one elder that became wayward. So eldership is critical, and that's why I want to speak on that one, speaking about how critical it is. Now, here is another scripture in the book of Proverbs 22, verse 28. It reads in this manner, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Now, the, for, for, the, for the ancient landmarks to be there, it means ancient fathers have set those landmarks. No, there are certain uh, uh, things that we've been taught by the elders. And as a result, because we live during the time where gospels are becoming trendy, where gospels ha have been modernized. And as a result, the modernization of the gospel, it is to move away from the ancient landmark that have been set by our fathers. Now, we have our spiritual fathers in the faith, and we want to look at the whole concept of eldership, looking at eldership within the local assembly, and looking at the eldership even outside the assembly, because I am of the view that every church, a church can give birth to another church. And once a church gives birth to another church, that church is part of, it comes under, under, under the tutelage of the elder, of the original elder. So we're going to look into that and try to address some of the challenges around eldership. But my one thing that I need to uh, uh, to drive across is that eldership is critical, eldership is scriptural, and we cannot deviate from eldership. And actually, every pastor must have an elder because how we know you are led, we check how you lead. The, whether you're going to be a successful leader it is determined whether are you led. But again, when we speak about being led, we are not speaking about being led by blindly. Although we say eldership is critical, but eldership must pass the scriptural test. It, you, you cannot just say I'm an elder. You, you must be an elder that is approved of by the scriptures. That is what we want to speak about. So as much as we say eldership, it does not mean that if an elder backslides, then we just follow an elder. Brother Brenham says, stay with the man as long as he stays with the weight. Stay with the man 
as long as he stays with me. He never just says, stay with the man. He says, stay with the man as long as he stays with the way. And he says, when that man leaves the way, leave that man. So we are not, uh, one thing for sure that we need to drive is that we are not loyal to personalities. We are loyal to the weight. One thing for sure, we do not follow pastors but we follow the weight that they are preaching. So we follow the pastor, but we are watching what is he following because Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You don't just follow for the sake of following. You follow, but from time to time, you have to assess whether he that you are following is still following the original thing that made you to follow him. That's why we want to speak about eldership and how critical it is. Now, Here's a scripture in 1 Timothy 5, verse 1. The scripture says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Now, this is the scripture, 1 Timothy 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. So, there's got to be a respect towards the elders. Brother Brenham says, if you don't respect a man, but at least respect his office. And he says, the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So the, gov- the Bible is there and it, can, it tells you how we should relate to one another. But it says, rebuke not an elder. So that means, There is a way to approach an elder. There is a way to speak to an elder. There is a way to speak about an elder. And in another message, it says, receive no false accusation against an elder unless, or receive no accusation against an elder unless there is two or three witnesses. So we don't really want to embrace the people that are going around misrepresenting the elders or speaking ill of elders. When it comes to the elder, there is a scriptural process to follow whenever we think that somebody thinks that there is something that an elder has done unto us. So rebuke not an elder. We don't bash the elders. We don't rebuke the elders. There is a way to deal with elders, and that's what I want to show through this sermon. Now, what, are, what is the responsibility of elders? Now, elders do the following. They lead the church. That's the first thing that they do. They've got to demonstrate leadership. And there is a way to assess an elder. Uh, he that cannot lead his family, how can he lead the house of God? So a lot of times we, when you, as somebody is an elder, We watch your family, we watch your wife, we watch your children, we watch everything that has got to do with you, and that will determine how you lead the church of God. Now, they lead the church. That is the first thing that elders do. The second thing that they do, they teach and preach the weight. Now, an elder must be able to teach and preach the weight. And that is why here, this is where I've got a problem. You cannot say you are an elder when you do not read the message of the hour. An elder must be a competent student of the weight. 
An elder must be able to know what the prophet said, what the Bible said, and he must be able to put things in their scriptural position. So they must teach and preach the way. The third thing, they must protect the church from false doctrine, from false teachers. Now, you cannot know a wrong thing if you do not know a genuine thing. I'm told within the banking industry, they don't take time teaching the employees how a fake money looks like. They spend time teaching them how they should spot out a genuine money. And their rationale is that if the employees understand and are able to spot out a genuine one, inevitably they will know how to spot out a fake one. So an elder must know the standards of the weight. An elder must understand what sound doctrine sanctioned by the scriptures, what is it like? So that when false teachers come, the elder must not be must be able to say, This is not according to the weight, this is not according to what the prophet taught us. But today, the problem today, instead of elders, we've got old people in church. There is a difference between an old man in church and an elder. An old man can be there because of age and being there. But uh, Brother Branham will explain to you that uh, for one to be an elder, it speaks about being seasoned. It speaks about veteranship. And when we speak about elder, you are going to find out that it is not only confined to the male gender. Because the Bible says the aged women in church must teach the younger ones. So that means the same expectation that we have of maturity from men uh, that we call elders, we have the same degree of expectation from sisters that we deem to be elders. And we're going to look at those things. So they must be, be able to protect the church from false teachers. Fourthly, fourthly, Exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine. Fifth, they must be able to visit the sick and pray. They must be able, if a sick person is there, an elder must be able to go there, lay hands on the sick person and, and pray for them. And may they must be the sixth thing and be able to judge doctrinal issues. Let me just re summarize it. The first thing, elders they lead the church. The second thing, they teach and preach the word. The third thing, they protect the church from false teachers. Then the fourth thing, they exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine, encourage the saints in sound doctrine. Fifth thing that they do, they visit the sick and pray for them. The sixth thing that they do, they judge doctrinal issues. So that is what the elders or this is what the eldership is all about. But we are going to expound on this. Now, the prophet, in the message, the seventh church age, he's trying to explain what an elder is. Then he says in the church age book, he says, now the truth of the matter is the word elder signifies who the person is. They, that means the word elder signifies the personality, who the person is. Well, the word bishop signifies the office of the same man. The elder is the man. Bishop is the office of the man. Elder always has and will always refer simply to a man's chronological age. 
in the Lord, not just the biological, chronological age in the Lord. He is an elder, not because he is elected or ordained, etc., but because he is older. He is more seasoned, trained, not a novice, reliable because of experience and long-standing proof of his Christian experience. Let's look at the characteristics of an elder. He is not an elder because he's ordained. And normally I say an elder is not somebody that you ordain. An elder is identified by the circumstances. So that means when a circumstance that arises and that becomes difficult for the church or the fellow believers, how an individual rises in those circumstances determine whether they are an elder or not. Let me give an example. When John was, when John cried because there was no one with it to take the book. And he was there discouraged, he wept, discouraged. The Bible says there was an elder, and Brahman says that is a redeemed human being. So that means in the midst of that difficulty, an elder came somewhere to console John and say, John, weep not, there is a lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. So we are looking for elders that in the midst of difficulties, they can give an encouragement to the church. They can tell the church and say, be not discouraged, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Not because they have read about it, but because they know based on an experience that we have gone through wars, we have gone through battles, we have gone through trials, and we are still standing. And as a result, their presence in the midst of the believers gives the believers an encouragement that if brother so-and-so made it, if sister so-and-so and so-and-so made it, I as well can make it because well, for what they've been through. So we have a need for elders. We have need for elderly brothers. We have a need for elderly sisters. The people that can give the young ones an encouragement. And that is why I have a problem when the young ones, and I'm going to give an example here. The Bible says he's an elder not because he's ordained. He's an elder because he's older. Hallelujah. Brother Brum says white hair signifies his wisdom. He is more seasoned. This person is grounded, trained. This person is trained on the message. This person is trained on the scriptures. I am glad that in the message of the hour, we have seasoned and trained people. And I, as a pastor from time to time, whenever I run into a certain situation, then I say, how do I navigate around it? I'm glad that I've got a plethora of elders that I can pick up the call and say, Elder, there is the situation. How did you navigate or how would you navigate around this situation? Because why? We are the part of the body of Christ. These people are experienced. These people are seasoned. And as a result, you young ones that are young today, tomorrow you're going to be elders. And if you disrespect the elders, then you are teaching the young ones that are coming that they must disrespect the elders. So he is older. He is more seasoned. He is trained, not a novice, because the problem with a novice, a novice can have a sense of pride, and pride cometh before the fall. This person is experienced. He is, good. He is, he, he is reliable because of experience. He is reliable. We live during a time where people are not reliable, where people, uh, one thing that I really value is integrity. 
When a person is an elder, they must have integrity. You, if you say yes to this person, and then you cannot say on the same thing, no to the other one, or you say no to this one, yes to the, and Allah is somebody that is consistent. If something is wrong, is wrong among his friends, is wrong in his family, he's wrong whatever. If something is right, is right throughout. So there is consistency. They are reliable. We know quite a lot of times we have dealt with quite a lot of people that are unreliable. unreliable. They say so they, they talk right, but they walk left. That is not the characteristics of an elder. And we are going to look into that. So reliable because of experience and long-standing proof of his Christian experience. The tragedy today, the people that we think are elders, and I'm referring both in the body of Christ and as well as in local assemblies. A lot of times people that we think are elders is the people that are not knowledgeable on the way, but they are knowledgeable on the church politics. They've got the history of the church based on politics. This one did this, that one did that. That is not edifying. An elder, when you are sitting with an elder, it must be edifying. An elder must be able to expound on the way. An elder must be able to exhort. An elder must be able to encourage. An elder must be able to solidify. And elderly sisters are not exempted from what I'm talking about here. Now, let's put it this way. In the book of Acts, Chapter 15, verse 5 and verse 6, it reads in this manner, Acts 15, verse 5 and 6, it says, But there rose up Satan of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Verse 6, And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this. So there was a doctrinal issue that, arose as a result of circum on circumcision. When the apostles and the elders came together to assess this doctrinal matter so that they can have a ruling on it. Oh God, give us such people, elders, that whenever there is a doctrinal matter, they are able to sit around and say, is it according to the way? Is it according to what Malachi 4 has said? And that is why it is very unfair. You cannot be an elder if you have never even studied the COD. Even if you don't study the message, how are you going to judge doctrinal matters if you are not able to dig into the message? And a lot of times, there are two things that I really deem to be very critical when it comes to eldership. It must be people that are prayerful. People that seek the face of the Lord. Secondly, it must be the people that are the students of the weight. Thirdly, uh, can I can add to the third one. Thirdly, their life must have an impeccable track record. I don't say they will not make mistakes. Yes, they will make a mistake, but they will repent and say, here yeah, I made a mistake. And uh, now this is how I'm correcting it. That is going to give them the credibility. I have a problem with an elder that, that is never sorry. 
I have a problem with a pastor that never says, I'm sorry. I have a problem with a deacon that never says, I'm sorry. I've got a problem with a husband that never says, I'm sorry. I've got a problem with a wife that never says, I'm sorry. The person that cannot apologize does not deserve, deserve any spiritual prominence among the believers. Now, the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. This means... These people knew the standard. These people were taught by Paul. These people were able to assess anything that was coming up. We are not supposed just to swallow everything that comes our way. It is very difficult for me. It is absolutely very difficult or heartbreaking. A lot of time to see people that we call elders falling for cheap doctrines. We have not to do that. Yes, if he, if he made a mistake and he says, sorry, oh, praise be to God. That, there goes a man that has got credibility. But the, again, we have to study the scriptures. We have to know what the prophet has taught. We have to know what is the standard at all times. Now, the prophet speaks about something here when he speaks about Brother Tommy Osborne. In the message, the early spiritual experiences, paragraph 9, he says, to me, Osborne happened to be sitting, looking at that. I think this when Brother Bram was praying for the sick, and to me, Osborne witnessed the miracles that took place. Then he says, to me, Osborne happened to be sitting, looking at that. He went home, got him a hammer and nails, and nailed the door open and said, I am coming out of here, God, till you do something for me. He said, I'm staying, I'm staying right here. He prayed for several days. He came down, was sitting on the porch. Brother Bosworth was sitting there with me. He said, Brother Brenham, do you think God would answer my prayer? I said, now look, Brother Osborne, get started on the right foot. Get started on the right foot. Now, you can make a lot of noise or anything, and people will follow you because people do follow people that make a noise. But remember, your ministry, you will answer before God for it someday. I said, there says an old oak tree on my porch, referring to brother, brother, is referring to brother Bosworth as an old oak tree. I said, who knows about the divine healing? Crawl up under the tree and talk to him a little while. I said, if you had have been called with a gift, you would have known it way back yonder. Gifts and callings are without repentance. You are at least a preacher. And every preacher by general orders are to pray for the sick. Now, Brother Brenham here is referring to Brother Bosworth as an old oak tree. And Brother Tommy Osborne wanted to pray for the sick as Brother Bram was praying for the sick. But Brother Bram says to Brother Tommy Osborne, there is an old tree. Why don't you just go and crawl under it and learn from the old oak tree on the matters of divine healing? And I say, God, God, we need more old oak tree they, that we can crawl and, under and learn certain things. The problem, I don't know, but uh, I have to see, say this. 
when we have, and this is the message to our elders. And here I'm referring to the elders in the bigger scheme of things. Elders must never compete with young ones. Elders must be there to guide, must be there to correct, must be there to lead, must be there to advise. All those things elders must be able to. It is difficult to operate with elders when they compete with young ones because the competition breeds an environment of mistrust. I have to be able to trust your advice. And the same thing, elders in the church, when you lead people in whatever capacity, you must never have any competitive spirit towards them. Refuse to have a competitive spirit towards the elders. That is what I'm advising here. Refuse to have a competitive spirit towards the elders, no matter what. Make sure at all times that whatever you give advice on, it is coming from a good heart. It is not motivated by any malice whatsoever. Now, let's carry on. Now, and oh, this is the picture of the old oak tree. The old oak tree, there are characteristics of the old oak tree. First thing, it is rooted. It is taller. And as it grows, it opens arms and does not stop growing. The old, the strength of the old oak tree is the roots, how it is rooted on the ground. So an elder must be rooted in the weight, must have solid roots that are rooted in the way. He cannot just be blown away by every wind of doctrine. No, say. And they have to grow taller. And taller, we already understand, they have to grow taller towards the sun, S-O-N in this case. And as it grows, the old tree, it opens arms. So it must, the elder must be able to be there to help the people, those that agree with him, those that disagree with him, those that love him, those that hate him. He must have open arms. Brother Billy Paul says, as much as I was close to my father, but I have never known who were the enemies of my father. That is what Brother Billy Paul said. Now, it does not stop growing. You have not to stop growing as a person. You must. Yes, you have read the spoken way. Read them again. Yes, you have read the Bible. Read it again. Yes, you have listened to the tips. Listen to them again. Because the more you do those things, you are growing. The problem today is that we've got young ones that are coming into the message. Instead of finding elderly men and elderly women, that are rooted in the way they find spiritual doves that are bitter. I have said it. Now, Brother Brenham says in this message, taking sides with Jesus, paragraph 82, he says, I think this church, if you men would, when you build this church, make this like your headquarters and like Brother Neville here, being like the senior elder among you. See, sometimes you get a question that you can't discuss out with your church out there. Then bring it here to Brother Neville and you will discuss it together. If you can't come to any decision, I'll be coming by pretty soon 
then we'll all come together with it. Brother Brenham was talking to Brother Neville and said, Brother Neville is an elder. Sometimes gather, you young ones gather around him, discuss issues with him. And if there is any matter that you couldn't find clarity on, I will return and come back. Already this teaches you about the scriptural protocol that an elder must be there, but an elder must operate under the tutelage of the prophet of the age. Furthermore, the, the young ones have to respect the elder. Now he says, paragraph 83, he says, then in the get training in your own groups, other ministers mean that you see that has got a calling in their life for the ministry. Train them, young men, bring them in here to the elder. All of you sat together in ministerial meeting and they teach the deeper things of God. Don't go on the bad end. Then sometimes if you don't see it just exactly the way he does, goes, that's all right. So that means you can sit with an elder and disagree, but I say that's all right. So that means if people disagree with us elders, we don't need to hate them. We still need to love them. Maybe they lack revelation with time. They will be revelated. Maybe we are wrong as elders and we need to be corrected by the way. So a person never ever grow to the levels where you are incorrigible. Incorrigible, it means you cannot be corrected as an individual. He says, and then sometimes if you don't see it just exactly the way he does, goes, that's all right. You are in the faith anyhow. Just move along. Maybe when we come together, then all of us together will pray. The discernment of God come down, he will give it, it just exactly what it is. You see, let us know just how to do it. That's what the prophet speaks about. Now, this quotation is for young ministers that deem themselves to be gifted and that do not see the need for elders and that see the need not to be corrected. Question and answers 151. Brother Brown says, when you ministers are correcting someone about a gift, when you are correcting them, scripturally correcting them, and they get offended, remember it wasn't the Spirit of God. Cause the Spirit of God cannot be offended by His way. He comes to His way. See, He's always willing. A real saint of God wants to throw the mark. Yes, so that means elders must never be afraid to correct. As long as that correction comes by the way. And those that are being corrected should never be offended. This doesn't just go for young ministers. It goes for everybody. If you are a believer and you get offended when you are corrected, by the way, something is fundamentally wrong. A believer must be able to say, if you correct a believer, a believer views correction when it, especially when it is done right. When I'm talking about correction, if, you, if a brother A makes a mistake and brother B goes to brother A to correct him according to the scripture, that is the biblical way. But if brother B doesn't go to brother A, but goes to brother C to talk about brother A, that is not the scripture. And such correction is going to breed bitterness such correction is going to breed resistance but when it is done scripturally i believe a brother that has been corrected scripturally should say sister brother 
I now know you love me because you correct me. Love is corrective. A lot of times we think love is when we buy one another cakes. That is not love. Love is corrective. And how do we know that we love one another? When we correct one another. And we correct one another according to the scriptures. Now, scripture says, 1 Peter 5 verse 1. says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. How do you, elders must feed the flock, not church politics. They must feed the flock the word of God because the sheep's diet is the weight. That's what Brother Bram told us. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lacre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensembles to the flock. Now, we, Paul says, Peter says, we must not assume lordship over the children of God. That is why the children of God have not to be dictated to. The children of God have to be led by love. Every elder in their area of responsibility, the first thing I say, you have to love the people that you lead. And after you love the people that you lead, you don't need to compete with the people that you lead. Actually, you must encourage them because the more they shine, it makes you as an elder to shine. Now, let's check here. Brother Wim speaks about an incident at Brenham Tabernacle. In the message, Redemption by Judgment, paragraph 6. He says, now I believe there was something else. Oh, yes, just the announcement. I sure appreciate our pastor here, Brother Neve, a true servant of the Lord. Just as soon as anything, you know, a real shepherd will watch. A real elder will watch. If there is anything gets wrong with the sheep, he's right on the guard, isn't he? But a hireling runs back and lets the thing go through and kill the sheep. So that means if something comes into the church, the elder, in this case referring to the shepherd, he must have a backbone to deal with that thing directly so that it must never do any harm to the sheep. That is why a shepherd should never be fearful of anything. He must know that he has been commissioned by God. He operates under commission. And anything that Satan would want to do, then the elder must be able to bring a showdown on that particular thing. Now he says, but a real shepherd is on his guard. A little tractor was passed, sent out this week to many of the members of the church through here, as I understand, was a concerning a doctrine, a cult that originates in West Virginia. It, and it's nothing, friend. It's nothing new. It's old. They deny Jesus, his name being Jesus. Now, the pastor, as soon as he found it, he rushes to me and tells me about it, something to be done. I said, well, surely the church established enough in the gospel of Jesus Christ knows better than that. They call it Yahweh, Joshua Yahweh. Now, our old dear brother Ryan that came, come, he comes here once in a while. He's mixed up in that too. And Mrs. Larson, 
that was once here with us. She's into that also and getting a whole group of them. So that means if the wrong doctrine comes, a shepherd must never tiptoe around it. You, you don't need to, you do have to deal with it directly. If it is wrong, it has to be declared behind the pulpit that this is not according to what we believe. This is what we believe. This is what the weight says. This is what the error says. Therefore, we reject the error. You, elder, must never be pushed into a corner at all. And Brother Bruno say, Brother Neville did very well. When he saw it coming, he dealt it with it. And we have done it many a times where false prophets rose up in message ranks. We have been very forthright and dealt with those matters directly so that it must never cause harm to the children of God. Because Satan is always hyperactive to bring a discord by bringing uh, his own isms. So elders must be on the guard. Now, Brother Brim question and answers, paragraph 12, he says, Now, in order to be a correct pastor or minister, you've got to watch your congregation. If you see the enemy coming in, then slip right over here and say, Here, just a minute. Now, that's the wrong thing. Then you're watching. The Bible said, Take heed to the flock, to feed the flock, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer over. Now, if you fail to do that, God is going to make you answer for it. That's right. That's what we want to do. Is them old ones, the one, the ones I had last night. That's all right. So Brother Bram says when something is wrong, the pastor needs to watch over the church. And the pastor has got to correct that. Because if he does not do that, he's going to be held accountable. And in this case, not only the pastor, the elders in the church are there to assist the pastor. That whatever the pastor is coming through, even them, they can identify that something is wrong and go as Brother Neville reported to Brother Brennan. They can go and report to the pastor and say, we begin to see this is coming wrong. Brother, we have to do something about it because they are there to watch over the flock in assistance to the pastor. But they've got to know the message. They've got to know the scriptures. And they need not to respect personalities, but they must respect the word of God. That's what we want to talk about. Now, Brother Brenham spoke about that. Now, Brother Brenham says in this message, now, in the Church Age book, Brother says, now, I want this on record right here. I'm not speaking against elders in the church, no, say, And that elder can be as poor as any man was ever poor. Or be the richest man in the world as long as he's an elder in heart and deed. So, that means becoming an elder is, does not, is not determined by abundance of material or lack of material. A rich man can be an elder in the church. A poor man can be an elder in the church. And that is why the church has got to be immune from the statuses of the people. The church has got to be immune from classism. So we don't class the people. I believe a man on a bicycle can become a deacon. And I believe such a man on a bicycle can become a deacon of doctors, of accountants, of specialists. 
he can become their deacon because it is not a, a based on class. It is based on whether are they seasoned in the way. It is based on whether this individual is he not a novice. Is based on whether are they reliable. It's based on whether have they got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So the other things are not factored in. Those are the critical things that are being factored into when we consider a man to be an elder. And even as the elderly sisters. And I'll come to the sister side. Now he says, I would not hesitate to ordain any man that has this real spiritual qualifications as an elder or a deacon, regardless of his finances or social position. But when you see a social or financial structure come into the church that divides the folks in any way, that is not of God. It is another sign of the time in this physically rich but spiritually impoverished Laodicean age in which we are not living in. Let me give it this way. If, and I'm going to give a practical example. If we have a bra brothers that have been very reliable in the church for a number of years, and there comes a time where we are looking for a deacon, it would be unscriptural and immature for a man that just arrived last week in the church because he's rich, that we parachute him into the deaconship based on what he has and overlook brothers that have been with us for a number of years that have been around, that have been loyal, it will be very immature. And maybe pastors, they must learn something. I always appreciate men and women that become rich organ organically from in the church, men and women that become that become organically in the church. Such men, when they become organically rich in the church, such men, they know where the church comes from. You know where they come from. Rather than somebody to arrive now and assume leadership position because he's materially well off, it is going to create a danger to that church. I've seen a lot of times where Men, pastors, we have heard of instances. A man is rich, he gets baptized today, but tomorrow is a deacon while his clothes are still wet. You are creating a recipe for disaster. We need men that have been with the church for longer. We've been, we need men that have got track record of the church. We need men that are reliable. Such men, they tend to be very profitable. To the ministry. Now, let's come to sisters. In the Titus scripture, verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperament, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged men. Men, elderly men, must be sober, grave, must be serious when it comes to the matters of God. They must be 
temperament. They must not just lose their cool easily. Sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh the holiness. Not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior and become holy. Becometh holiness. Not false accusers. Not given too much, too much wine. Teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober. To love their husband. To love their children. Now today we've got some, some of the elderly sisters that would speak badly about marriage. Until they've messed up the minds of young people. Such women are not sober. Such women are not grave temperament. Are not sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. But they need to teach the young ones to be discreet, chaste, keep us at home, good, obedient to their own husband, but that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, in closing, our greatest desire is to have elders, men and women that are experienced in the word, men and women that understand their role, and men and women that can influence people positively according to the word of God. But they must be veteran based on how they have lived, based on how they have conducted themselves. That is our desire when it comes to the matters of eldership. The problem, don't be so many years in the message and yet lack growth. You have to grow in the Lord. You have to have experience when it comes to the weight. You have to be able to advise young ones and say, here is a situation according to the word of God. This is how we come out of this situation. But for you to be a veteran, you must be able, you must have the Holy Ghost first, and you must be a student of the weight and of the message. And furthermore, your life must be above approach. And in so doing, you'll be able to guide young ones. And this refers to the elders in the church. This refers to the elders outside the church that we are looking up to in terms of eldership. But elders are very, very, very important. A lot of times, whenever a new ism comes, it gets embraced by young ones that just arrive. A lot of times, the old ones, the elders, by nature, they are suspicious. They look at this thing and say, let us watch where it will end because we can see where it started. They take their time to assess matters. So my greatest desire, let us be those type of elders. Let's be the type where we guide the young ones. I say an elder is identified by the circumstances. So a sister who is an elder, who is experienced, other young sisters will just look and admire the quality of life. And from time to time, they'll go and seek counsel for such person. Brother Brim says, no matter what you do, someone is watching you. So as we come to the end of the broadcast, let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we appreciate you for the time that you have granted unto us. We appreciate everything that you are doing for fellow believers. Protect them, guide them, lead them. It is our desire. Help us, especially for us that have been in the message longer, 
to lead exemplary life. That is our desire. As I pray for every brother, as I pray for every sister, all these things we appreciate them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.